The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the First and Ten Podcast, brought to you by Blogging the Boys, powered by SB Nation. As always, Tony Catalina and Aiden Davis to talk about all things Dallas Cowboys as they wrap up their Week 11 matchup against the Carolina Panthers in a 33-10 win. Uh, We got a lot to unpack, a lot to discuss, but before I do that, Aiden, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. I, I think the theme of this episode is that the Cowboys won, and that's all that matters. So I'm doing good. Yeah, you know, it's funny. We'll we'll dive right into our initial thoughts because this is kind of one of the things that I wanted to talk about was it just felt like the, the pessimism around the, the fan base was, like, palatable. It was funny. Like, <laughs> even yes, there were times where the defense didn't look great. You know, the, the Cowboys offense did have a couple of three and outs and – it, it, I guess the problem is we've gotten used to everything just going perfectly, right? Like we haven't really seen too much of what a normal football game looks like this year. So when you, I only look at my Twitter feed on commercials. So like, I'll go through the, you know, kind of see if there's a commercial break, I kill time. And I'm just like, everybody's like, well, don't like this. We're not doing well. I'm we're in a dog fight. I'm like a dog fight. We've never, we've never, <laughs> like didn't have the lead. You know what I mean? We were winning the whole time. Yes, it wasn't as clean as Tommy DeVito in the New York Giants last week, but you you beat a team 20 by 23 points. You put up 33. Your defense gets a pick six. Um, They had to convert three fourth downs just to get their only touchdown in the game. Like, yes, and, there are things. Go ahead. Sorry. And Sam Williams had to commit a penalty on the punt. Like they right. were going to punt that drive. Four situations that had to will them into a touchdown and their only touchdown. So, you know, I, I get dubbed as an eternal optimist, but I also don't love like always looking for the negative reaction. It's not really my style. I just I don't think I've seen. And granted, I will for all the detractors out there, I will give you the final score is a bit misleading. The game was not a 33 to 10 blowout, but it's just like, yes, the Cowboys are coming off their most dominant win I've seen in a very long time in that complete and utter beatdown of the Giants in which the final score was not suggestive of how well the Cowboys played. But like a 23-point win, you cover the spread, you're on the road, you head into Thanksgiving week with two very solid wins in a row under your belt. I don't think I've ever seen more pessimism about a 23-point win. I'm with you. 
the offense looked clunky at times. It felt weird where it's like, okay, why can't you get this together against a very beatable Panthers defense? I understand that. Like you mentioned on that one drive, it did seem like Bryce Young was moving the ball out at will. But then there were other times where it just looked like the same Cowboys that we saw against the Giants. They were moving. Everything was humming. The defense was getting sacks, pressures. They were stopping them. Deron Bland showed up. So it was, yeah, it wasn't a perfect game by any means, but a 23-point win against on the road against the Panthers, like, we let's not let's not be upset about this. Yeah, and you know what I look at it is there there are some elements of the Panthers what they do that have you know would translate to a quote unquote some type of football game, right? Like it wasn't going to be a blowout. This isn't they're not as inept as like I mentioned the Giants a, a minute ago, but at the same time, if you look at it, they run the ball decently well with with Chuba Hubbard and Miles Sanders. They got two guys now. They don't use them, you know, great, but at the same time, both are productive and able to get going when the, when the you know, when the, when it calls for it. And then Adam Thielen, who's their slot receiver is the only guy who seems to be making plays. And guess what? He's against our weakest corner, Jordan Lewis. So obviously there's going to be some type of opportunity there. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they run zone coverage and that's kind of mainly what they do on the defensive side of the ball. And guess what? Our quarterback does well against, he does well against man. So if you're going to run, you know, zone coverage, it makes it a little bit harder on the offense. And realistically, this game, in my opinion, it was never in doubt. Even the statistics will tell you it was never really ever in doubt but with that being said like there were elements of this this Panthers offense it's like okay they're one and eight now they're one and nine like there is gonna have to be some work done here and that's just like an NFL football game I mean it would we have six games where Dak is you know putting a ball cap on at the end of the you know in the fourth quarter so yeah, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and poo-poo a 23-point win, but I can understand there's some things to work on, but that's just that's just the NFL life, really. Yeah, and we'll dissect the things that, like, the areas where the Cowboys can work on. It's not like we're going to, this is going to be a 100% positive episode, because yes, there are definitely criticisms that the Cowboys, that you can bring up when addressing this game. But you did mention an interesting thing, and that's the game was never in doubt. Once the Cowboys scored that first touchdown, their win probability shot up to 91%. And I'm sure you saw tweets or something similar to this on Twitter. But after their win probability shot up to 90%, after the first touchdown, it didn't dip below 90% for the rest of the game, depending mm. on where you look. I'm yeah. currently looking on Yahoo. But it didn't dip below 90% for the rest of the game, including when everybody started freaking out after that Panthers touchdown that made it 17-10. This game was never in doubt. I, I get it. It didn't look amazing at times, but the Cowboys, there was never a doubt that the Cowboys were going to win this one. Yeah. And just to be, you know, for pair pair study here, I think ESPN got as low as like 86% after that. You oh, know what I mean? No, it's such a nail biter. Yeah. <laughs> 86%. You know, the Cowboys are really hanging on for their life there at that point. <laughs> you know, they're trying to, but no, you know, I just want to kind of dissect a little bit of it. I get the stats up here. We'll take a look at it as in totality and we'll, you know, I'll get your thoughts on it. Dak Prescott, not as you know, stat stuffing as we're used to, but it doesn't matter, right? 25 of 38, 189 passing yards. He had two touchdowns and a rating of 95.2. I mean, that is, that's a winning recipe, right? We've seen that early in the season when he didn't have to do all that much, but he was efficient. He was able to move the football. Tony Pollard, 5.1 yards of carry, 12 rushes, 61 yards and a touchdown. He had a 21-yard touchdown that I felt like he really needed. It felt like a monkey off his back there. He needed that at least for the morale, I think, for the fan base, you know, to get off of his back a little bit. As far as the receivers go, really nothing to you know write home about. You know, Brandon Cooks led the team with three receptions, 42 yards. 
Uh, C.D. Lamb had six for 38, but he had the touchdown. Luke Schoonmaker had a touchdown, and that was big to see another tight end get involved there. But realistically, uh, when you look at the numbers, nothing really blows you out of the water, right? But you you come out with 33 points, you win by 23, and and you get your seventh win of the season within the first 10 weeks. You got to feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I do want to dig a little bit deeper on Dak Prescott's game today because it's a little bit of the eyeball test versus the stats that you just mentioned. Yeah, the, it doesn't look like he was highly efficient on the stat sheet. One thing that doesn't show up on the stat sheet, and like if I were to give like a loser to the Cowboys, it would be like the entire wide wide receiving core today because A, they were giving him no separation. Dak had to fit it in very tight windows today. And by the way, Dak did fit it into those windows. However, every time he fitted into one of those tight windows, it seemed like every receiver was dropping the ball. There were a lot of drops today, a lot of like catches that are potential catches that don't show up as drops, but it's like, okay, you're an NFL receiver. Reasonably, you should be making an effort to catch that ball. So I, I Dak, the receivers did not help Dak today. But then again, if I'm going to criticize one area of Dak Prescott's game today, it seemed hyper conservative. Did, did you get that same vibe of it, it seemed like he wasn't driving the ball downfield. A lot of dump offs, a lot of stuff behind the line of scrimmage that we haven't like over the past three weeks. Dak Prescott's excelled at. He's driving the ball downfield. He's getting it to CD Lamb. He's getting it to Brandon Cooks. But today it was like, why is everything so close to the line of scrimmage? Yeah, I think that's exactly how the Panthers design it right there. They yep. actually they were like 27th in run defense, but they're sixth in pass defense. They play the zone coverage. They keep everything in front of you. It's soft. They're not really going to challenge face to face with these uh with these wide receivers. And I think this is one of those games where Dak and probably Schottenheimer and Mike McCarthy come into it and say, listen, we're not going to be able to gash him too crazy. Let's just keep everything in front. Let's be smart. And, and as you mentioned, he didn't take too many risks. And I look at that in the other side and say, like, well, there was never really any risky throws to be had, too, which was nice. You know, for him to be able to hit that seam shot to Luke Schoonmaker, that was that was him with his eyes manipulating the coverage. You know, a guy probably wasn't where he's supposed to be, but Dak made him pay with that and they hit it right down the shot. Now, that's the type of things that we've seen. You know, Denver Broncos would, uh, you know, Vic Fangio do in the past. They gave the Cowboys trouble. It's kind of some of the things that the 49ers do. They give the Cowboys trouble. Um, but it's it's I would say if you want to be a little pessimistic, it's a concern that that is kind of the M.O. on how to stop the Cowboys, because there's got to be a team with better talent is able to do that. And you're going to have to find a way to get over that. And and I think of the 49ers and I think of teams like that. But um, I think it was conservative because Dak is OK with just taking what they gave him, and ultimately it was. That's just what it was this week. Yeah, and I'm not too concerned about the zone defense issues that we saw today because of the fact that the Cowboys, despite poor, poor showing today, one of their greatest strengths is their wide receiving core. Cooks, Gallup, obviously CD. We're very confident in all those names. They're going to be able to find soft spots in the zone, so I'm not. it's not like I think the, this is the blueprint to beating the Cowboys. I just don't think it was there today. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's a fair way to look at it, right? Not everything is going to be clean. And I love talking about it. Like, I've, I've said this before on the show a million times. Like, I like to learn lessons and victories. I don't want to have to lose to learn a lesson. And if you can win by 23 and still be, you know, upset about some of the things, you're going to take that all day. Um, but let's kind of roll into our next topic here because, you know, we like you said, we're 7-3. The Cowboys are three and three um, on the road and you know, they continue to roll at home and they got a stretch of three home games coming up. But with this Thanksgiving slate and then the Seahawks and then the Eagles coming up here, I want to ask you directly, did we learn anything new about this team today? 
Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's, it's going to be a really lame answer. I don't think we learned anything today. I feel like, like, was this the most fire that the Cowboys have ever played with? No. And that was pretty evident on the field today. I think like, it's not like, it's not like we're talking about like a Cardinals game or anything like that. Like, it's not like they completely came out flat, but you could just tell like there was something missing today. It was clunky at times. It was weird. I think the 12 o'clock game, at least, I mean, this might just be my perspective watching it, but it threw it off, like threw me off a little bit. It just felt like, I don't even know, like, I'm not saying we're looking forward to Washington or anything or like looking ahead to the Thanksgiving game because I don't think that's the case. It just, it was weird at times. The Cowboys still won by 23. Like I said, I'm happy. It didn't look perfect, but like, I don't have any takeaways in terms of new stuff I learned from this team. Do you? It's not really anything I've learned, but it's it's some growth that I've seen that I'm happy with because you mentioned Arizona, and that's a game and a team that they took lightly and lost as a result. This team, like you said, I kind of anticipated, I put it in our game predictions over at Blog on the Boys, like writer predictions. I said, early kickoff, I expect a little slower start. There's going to be a little bit of, you know, some sluggishness there. I feel like that's natural when a team isn't used to playing that early slate and maybe the opponent isn't one of those teams that you got to get really juiced up for. Um, but ultimately it's a team and the team in a game they should win. They didn't do that against Arizona and Josh Dobbs. And I feel, I feel like they let that that's the growth, right? I don't think we're going to see anything massively important from this game and what they did, but ultimately how they learned and made sure it didn't happen again was, I guess the number one takeaway from me. So, I, if, if I'm reading you right, it almost seems like, and maybe I'm completely misquoting you on this, but like past Cowboys teams or teams, maybe pre-Cow, pre-buy Cowboys teams, because, given the slow start and given the sluggishness could have been a game that they lost. And you like, are you encouraged by the fact that they won today? In fact, in terms of like, some people were calling this a trap game. Yeah. Some, some people were, I was going to mention that like, there's some writers that we work with that were throwing that trap game around. And, and, I, and I didn't really think that was the case, but this is, yeah, you're right. I guess that the way you read it is correct. This is a game that they probably had to win on a game winning field goal at some point, or they lose and yet perplexed. And it's funny. Yeah. They had a three and out to start the game. The offense didn't look great at times. Defense was getting gashed on the, on the ground, but I don't think in the stat the statistics back it up. I was never like in doubt, like they, they were going to win this football yeah. game. But like there were still some frustrating moments, but the, the, what they're doing different pre-buy 
in, in prior seasons is like I said, they would lose these games or make it a little bit more competitive. And I think what they've done is gone out and just win the games that they're expected to. I think David Hellman from Fox sports and a friend of the show said um, this week, or maybe over the last couple of weeks, like they're not going to gain nothing from this, but they could lose a lot. If they lose these games, people are going to change their perception of them. They just got to go out there and handle business. And I think that's just what they've been doing. Yeah. And I think like, Credit to the Panthers. I think in every area other than quarterback play, which is obviously the most important area, but in every area other than quarterback play and maybe the ground game, the Panthers beat the Cowboys. Like, I think the the Panthers secondary beat our receivers. I think the Panthers uh, defensive line and at times had their way against our offensive line. I think um, our defensive line, it, it seemed like there was a stretch there where we couldn't buy a pressure despite what the final stat line says. So, like, to be beat in those areas and still win by 23. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. This is like, this would have been like a Texans game last year where they have to have a game winning drive exactly. to win the game. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm buying into your takeaway. Absolutely. Like, I mean, it's one of those things where um, you, you take what you can get, right? I think that was, you, everyone sees, if you look at it on the surface level, like, oh man, the one and eight and, you know, we're way better and we're, we just killed the Giants. So naturally everybody's like, you're going to kill this team. It's not going to be competitive. And if there's any type of turmoil, everybody doesn't understand it. And it's a very like knee jerk reaction to it. But you understand that there are some playmakers and they're got, I mean, Troy Hill, the nickel corner had like the game of the year for <laughs> yeah. for them. And, and then you get a guy like Adam Thielen, who was automatic against Jordan Lewis. And you realize like, oh, matchups matter and pride matters. And there's still professional athletes out there. So um, I think is. For a team that probably wasn't super pumped about this game, super pumped about, you know, one o'clock kickoff and thinking about the short turnaround they got next week and, you know, on Thursday on Thanksgiving against Washington, like to go out there and win by 23 and to handle business and 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 to still see your quarterback with a with a hat on his head with 10 minutes left in the game. I think all things considered, you feel pretty good about it. And there were definitely positives to this game. Like I saw, I mean, we'll likely talk about them later but i loved the resurgence of the ground game like it wasn't it wasn't like the cowboys completely fell flat in every way so there are definitely positives to take away from this and one of those positives i kind of want to talk about is deron bland and the other yeah. one is micah parsons right micah parsons ends up with two and a half sacks deron bland ends up with a pick six which is what he does the stats on him when you say it like everyone knows like what he's done but when you say he's got more touchdowns than He's the second leading touchdown getter on this team right now. That's insane to think about that. As good as this offense has been at times, he's got the second most behind CD Lamb. That's crazy. No, you quote tweeted that and like CD Lamb has five <laughs> touchdowns on the year. Deron Bland has four. That is the most mind boggling stat. Right. In my, consider this is a Cowboys team that scores points. They are second in the NFL by points per game. Their defense produces a lot of takeaways. Like this is a, a team that hangs points up. And yet a defender is second in touchdowns. That is absurd. <laughs> it is crazy. And I know there was um there were a couple of guys. I know Richard Sherman was one of them, and I forgot who the other guy was, but they were like, if you get four pick sixes in a season, like that's all pro. Like they should lock it up. He should win. He I think Pro Bowl is a shoe win. Now the conversation turns into is he an all pro corner? And I think he has a real argument when coming into the year, he was like cornerback number three. And now he's stepped in, and I think at times people rather go at Stefan Gilmore than they would at Deron Bland. Yeah, so heading into this week, there were only 15 players in the entire NFL that had more than four touchdowns. And that's receivers. <laughs> that's like wow. we're talking about the Jamar Chases, the A.J. Browns, Keenan Allens, Mark Andrews. 
that means that like I, I that is absurd do you think and I saw some people throwing it out on Twitter do you think sorry X do you think Jerron Bland has a shot at defensive player like does he enter the conversation for defensive player of the year or did we learn from Trayvon Diggs that it's not a cornerback's award to win I, Stephon Gilmore has won it before so he was defensive True. player of the year and he's here and I think he belongs to be in the conversation. I don't know if he'll get it over a, a guy like Miles Garrett or even his teammate like Micah Parsons, who's got 10 sacks on the year. But he has to be mentioned, right? If you're a defender who scores touchdowns regularly when, like, you might see – I mean, how many times do they throw the ball at him in a game? Six times, five times a game? And you're able to score four touchdowns out of 10 games? Like, that's a pretty impressive stat. I, I think it'd be more symbolic. I don't expect him to win, but if he can get a couple of votes – that's something to be really proud of. Agreed. And I think one area that I'm really encouraged by Jerron Bland is he's not just a ball hawk. Like I, Trayvon Diggs, he got a lot more. Um, he, he was criticized a lot more than he deserved during that. What was it? 12 pick season? During, yeah, all, all the yards yeah, thing. Yeah, all the yards, all the yards he was giving up. He was getting <laughs> criticized too much for that. But Jerron Bland, it's like, He's not giving up anything. He's either picking the ball off or the ball's landing on the ground. He does yeah. not allow reception. Even in that pick, the most important, the most impressive part of that pick six is once again, it was a drag route across the field that Deron Bland was straight up just said, No, I'm I'm faster yeah. than you. He I know where this ball's going. Yeah. Yeah. And at the very last second turned on the Jets and beat the receiver to the ball. That does not happen on drag routes. No. Like picks happen when you're it's like stop routes it's a deep go route that the quarterback just missed throws picks do not happen on drag routes that was to me the most impressive pick i've seen deron bland make this season i totally agree and you know what I'll, I'll be honest with you i mean i knew he was a ball hawk guy like you showed it last year and i knew he had the ability to turn the football over but coming into the season to full transparency, I was a little worried about the rest of it. What did the rest of it look like, right? I know he was capable of making splash plays, but where was he on a down-to-down -down consistent basis? And I think get with Al Harris in year two in the system, he's rounded into a complete cornerback, a cornerback that the league is going to fear for a long time, somebody that you're going to be able to pair next to Trayvon Diggs for years. And, I, you know, I, Foolish me, maybe, right? Maybe I, I under underestimated the guy. But for a fifth-round pick who played in the NFL PA Bowl last year and it was a Dan Quinn special, he's overly exceeded all expectations. Anybody set up for him. And the Cowboys, they got a good one here, man. Yeah, that's a name that I don't think we've ever brought up on the podcast. Al Harris deserves his flowers. He has yes. now turned Trayvon Diggs into one of the NFL's best cornerbacks. And you mentioned it. He turned a fifth round pick that nobody was paying attention to into once again, one of the NFL's best cornerbacks this year. Al Harris is doing amazing work in that secondary. And I hope we, he stays around for a very long time. Absolutely, man. I totally agree. And with that, we'll move on to our third segment here. And this one, this one's fun. I don't know if you got it teed up here, but what we're going to talk about next is what is something our biggest confidence about this football team and then maybe our biggest concern as well. And before we kind of start here, I'll let you go first. But what do you want to go? Do you want to go positive or negative first? Let's start positive here okay. because we won. Let's start positive. Sure. Let's hear it. I and this is going to sound so weird given the way that the season started. I think my biggest confidence in this team is in Mike McCarthy's play calling, which mm. is he deserves, even against the Panthers, who can be beat on the ground, who, as Tony Paul, as like Tony Pollard had himself a day, you can beat the Carolina Panthers on the ground. Despite that, Mike McCarthy said, no, I mean, we're not going to 
play into your you're probably expecting us to run on the ground because every team in the NFL has done that against you. We're still going to throw it on first and second down because we have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. We have an elite wide receiving core. We can beat you through the air. And so we're not going to mess around with the first and second down runs, which you're still expecting. No, we're going to bootleg out. And like it, like I said, it didn't look all pretty today. It wasn't perfect. But the fact that Mike McCarthy, even against a team that is more susceptible on the ground, is still willing to play those early down passes, which then sets up the running game in the third and fourth quarter. Like that to me, it's Mike McCarthy's the complete switch around from the predictable first and second runs to now this where Cowboys have to be since the buy one of the highest passing teams in the league, especially on early downs like that flip and that realization that, no, we have a good quarterback and we're not going to mess around with the run. That's where I'm confident now, because today showed me McCarthy's he's not messing or he's not playing in your hand. He's not playing the predictability game. He is going to punch you in the mouth on first and second down. Yeah, I totally agree. If you look at the numbers, right, Dak Prescott threw the ball 38 times and there were 20 design, excuse me, 22 design runs, 12 from Pollard, eight from Dottle, one from Turpin and one from CeeDee Lamb out of the backfield. Dak ran it twice. So I guess 24 total runs to 38 passes. I think a lot of us, especially when that quote came out, when he was like, oh, we're going to run the ball. We're going to establish the run. That's our main thing. I think a lot of people got fooled by that a little bit. And ultimately, if you look at Mike McCarthy's history, you knew the guy was going to throw the ball a little bit more. And he has the quarterback and the weapons to do it. So you're playing to your strength. If if your team isn't running the ball that all that effectively and Tony Pollard is, you know, by numbers having a down year compared to what we've seen from him. You lean into your strength and your strength is passing the ball and putting it in your quarterback's hands who's playing at an MVP conversation type level. So I, I, I'm there with you. I'm encouraged by it. I I think, you know, we can run this back. And that's why I love doing a podcast, because I could say stuff in a positive manner and you can go and fact check me. But I was never as pessimistic as everybody else was, because I had a feeling that some of the stuff felt like quirky. It didn't feel like, oh, you know, this is this is bad because we're bad. No, this is bad because of situational things and, and a ball doesn't bounce one way your way, but the ball seems to be bouncing their way right now. And the way Mike McCarthy is scheming it up since the bye week after the 49ers game, it feels like a much more collaborative effort with Dak Prescott and Sean Heimer. And, you know, I love that they were able to take that week to figure out, okay, what do we do best? And what we do best is use the pass as an extension of the run. CD lamb throwing little no, quick passes out to the side, spread the defense out, you know, same thing with cooks get him involved even the first play of the game was a michael gallup like quick pass you know what i mean so find ways to get your playmakers the ball in space and i think mike mccarthy has found a way to not be archaic and he and he's one with the times right now and i love it yeah and like they put up 27 points today which is a down game compared to the 49 27 points on offense to clarify which is yeah. a down game compared to the 49 points against the giants 23 points against the Eagles, but the, like it was a we we talked about it. it was a slow game where both teams it was back and forth, a great offensive game. And then the Rams that's Rams 43 points. This offense has been humming since the bye. Dak Prescott looks great, and it's because Mike McCarthy is not doing that. He's he's no longer predictable. He is airing it out. He's willing to trust Dak, and it is working. And 27, I'm not going to complain about 27 points. The offense still looked good at times today. Yep. That's, I mean, it's everything you're saying is on the money. I think with a lot of it too, is the sense that um, he, uh, he understands that Dak is understands controlling the football and put it, you know, he makes some tight throws because Dak Prescott has um, confidence in his arm, but it's not like blind confidence. Like he understands when to take a shot, 
when he's able to use his arm, his legs, understand how to work in the in the frames of this West Coast offense. And I think this is they had talked about it all camp and leading up to this when when we got rid of, you know, Kellen Moore for Mike McCarthy, that this was going to be a QB friendly offense. And I think we've seen that. Yep. And Dak CD, the entire offense is continues to thrive even on a quote unquote down week like this. Yeah, and for me, I think ultimately what I am most encouraged about off like about this team as a whole is the way to do it in multiple different ways, right? Like we've seen the defense lean, we've seen special teams have to make plays, we've seen this offense hum. I just think that, and it's no way to like prove people wrong who are de- detractors of this team until they finally do it. Like they're gonna say, "Oh, you haven't beaten a team with a winning record, or you haven't beaten a legitimate team." Well, that's just how the schedule you know shakes out sometimes, right? Like. So all they're doing is just going out there and winning football games. They're winning them in different ways. They're winning them in different fashions. So I just like the completeness of this football team. I think they do a lot of good things, and they do them really well at different levels. I mean, you've seen – when you look across the league, right, every team has, like, a strength. Like, some teams have really good defenses. They ride that. Some teams have an elite offensive, you know, line, and they ride that. The Cowboys, they say, okay, the offense line doesn't give up any sacks today. They haven't given up sacks in two games. Then you look at the defense and they get seven sacks. And then you got a guy who picks everything under the sun. And then you got a quarterback who's on a heat check for the last month. You know, they they just do some things well. And right when you're th- about to count Tony Pollard out, he has his best, you know, per carry average. And then you got a guy like Rico Dotto who plays so well, you want to give him the ball more. Then Gavante Turpin's your fifth wide receiver. And you go on and on and on. And there's so many different things that they do well that it becomes really hard to to scheme and play against this Cowboys team. So when you look and you go and and, and a team has to do that, right? They're like, how do we beat the Cowboys? There is no simple answer answer here. So I just love and I'm encouraged by how complete this team feels like for the first time in a long time. I also want to throw in when you were mentioning like the adversity that this team's like the fact that Leighton Vander Esch went down like, oh, yeah, like we, we were panicking a little bit. And Marquise Bell has been an absolute stud this season. Mm-hmm. And he's a safety. Like, that's another example of just like, yeah, Dan Quinn just knows how to use a safety at linebacker. And that's just cool. Also, it's I think part of it is when you have a complete team like this, you don't need like one group to shine. You can just have an OK day from both groups and you win by 23. Like the offense, as we mentioned, did not look perfect today. They just looked okay at times. The defense allowed a, the longest drive that Carolina's had this season. It wasn't perfect, but they looked okay today, especially with Deron Bland. And that was enough to win by 23 points. Just okay performances is enough to win by 23 points because this, you mentioned, this team's complete. They're not going to, like, as in, in a while, we haven't seen a collapse on both sides of the ball. And like as of now, we have no reason to believe that that's coming. It's like a defensive collapse and an offensive collapse, like one we saw against the Niners. It is just just be okay, and you're likely going to win against bad teams, which is perfect. Absolutely, man. And you say it well, and that kind of wraps up our positive side of it. So let's kind of lean in the ne- negative a little bit here. What is something you're worried about? What's your biggest concern moving forward? From this game, I'm. It's the run defense just disappears at times and it can, you can say the same for like the secondary just completely gives up yards at times but like it was it happened against the cardinals and then it happened again today where it's it was like you have an inferior opponent bryce young's not going to beat you so why don't you stop them on the ground and yet chuba hubbard is just picking up like 
five, six yards of carry on some, some drives. It was just weird to see like the run defense completely disappear. And I don't want that to happen against a team. Like if we run into the Niners again, the Eagles, like, like what, what causes that run defense collapse? And I don't know. I haven't had a chance to look at the tape yet because it happened today. The game happened today, but it was just weird to see Chuba and Miles Sanders like ripping off yards against us when like we stopped DeAndre Swift. We stopped Christian McCaffrey at times. It's just the weird complete collapse of the run defense at times. It's a little bit worrisome because I don't know when it's coming. Yeah, that was that was one of the two things that I wanted to discuss. I'm glad you brought it up because I can bring up my next point here. But for me, it one of those things that uh you're right, the defense specifically the run defense has been leaky at times. It's been an issue for the last few years. That's why they bring in a guy and draft Mozzie Smith. That's why they side Jonathan Hankins. Sometimes I think it's about run fits more than like talent, right? Cause we've seen side to side speed. We've seen guys be able to fill the holes and run gaps. And I think we have one of the best run defenders in the entire league in Demarcus Lawrence. But at sometimes is it, what is, is it fatigue? Is it motivation? Is it skill? Like what is it that they can't stop it? Because if you look at, the Panthers and how I would defend them as, you know, a, a armchair quarterback here is I would, you know, plug the, the run lanes and force the game into Bryce Young's hand, see if he could beat you on the edge with some really opportunistic cornerbacks. And if that was the plan and they were stuff in the box and having eight, nine in the, you know, in there and, and you're trying to stop that, they didn't do that. They didn't do it well. And at one point in time, it looked like they were gashing for eight, nine, 10 a carry. And, that's going to, you know, you play a 49ers team who runs the ball really well in the playoffs. And you look at somebody like the Detroit Lions who got David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. Like these are teams you're going to have to play in the playoffs. And they have, you know, built to win on the road, built to win in cold weather, built to win in playoff scenario type offenses. And um, that's something they have to share up. But that's been a question mark for a couple of years now. Yeah, you hit on the, I guess, the larger point, which is that like even you can start throwing in like the easy slants that like complete that were being completed to Adam Thielen seemingly all game. Like, why are you playing back so much against the Carolina? Make the they're not Bryce Young's yeah. not going to beat you deep. You're not no. playing against Patrick Mahomes here. Press up, play your defense because your 11 guys on defense is way better than their 11 guys on offense. Just press up and play like it, which it just seemed weird that it felt like we were playing so conservative almost in like a two minute drill offense for the entire game. Which I mean, once again, was still enough to hold them to ten points. It was just weird. Yeah, it was weird. And another thing that's weird, and I'll kind of roll into what I had for a negative here is um, we didn't see it too too much, but it but it poked its head a little bit today, and that's why I'm bringing it up now. Is I'm trying to think about this team big picture. I'm not worried about the Carolina Panthers in Week Eleven. I'm thinking, like I said, big picture playoffs. How is this going to hurt us? And I'm just concerned with the boneheadness sometimes with the penalties, right? Like Sam Williams. I know he's trying to make a play there. But I've always had a saying, at least to my TV, where I'm like, take it easy. I know Fossil wants to to go and get the play and make a big play, but they're trying to give you the football back. It's like fourth and seven, right? Don't get crazy. So to to get a running into the kicker or or just stupid penalties, it wasn't a huge deal this week, but it was one that parlayed into their only touchdown of the year or the game. And I just want to have a clean level of play, right? Like we've seen Dante Fowler at times. We've seen, you know, J-Ron Curse at times line up off sides. These are just like mental errors. This team, we've seen how good and talented they are at all three phases. The coaching is understanding. The only thing that can hurt them is to get into big moments and, and to wilt mentally. And I want to stop that. And I'm afraid that it's 
a little bit in their makeup right now. I don't want to put it on them in totality and say they aren't capable of doing the right things. But right now, it seems to be a little bit of an issue. Yeah, the Sam Williams penalty specifically hurt bad because we talked about him last week as a guy who both of us wanted to see him get more snaps on defense because he looked like a stud last week. And it was almost like we when we talked about that last week, we both mentioned the fact that it, it, the biggest issue Sam Williams has is the fact that he just makes boneheaded plays at times. And we saw it again today. So it's it hurts because when you get into the playoffs and when it's a like your single elimination, that's how the NFL playoffs works. Do you trust a guy like Sam Williams to keep a clean game and to not put your team to actively hurt your team? And it's like after the penalty today, I'm like, I don't I don't know, because we haven't seen Sam Williams go an extended period without making a dumb penalty, which hurts because I do love the way Sam Williams plays. Yeah. And and for me, I understand exactly what you're saying. And I know you're not piggybacking on him, like single on him out, no. but, but it's, it's a, it's a bigger, wider issue, right? Cause you said you hit the nail on the head for me. Like you can't go, Oh, you know, we'll get him next week in the playoffs, right? Like, Oh, we'll learn from this mistake next week. Like you're going to have to win on the road. If you're a wild card team in a hostile situation and play clean football. And then you're going to have to do it two or three more times if you want to go and win the Super Bowl. So can, can they play clean football? We've seen the days of Randy Gregory, you know, lose his mind and get two penalties in a play or do something boneheadish. Like that is still ingrained a little bit in this team. And they're checking boxes of things of preconceived notions that they're getting rid of. And, and you know, they can continue to do that. But this is one of those things that I need to see in a more consistent level where like, okay, fourth and seven you can be aggressive but like they're giving us the football so let's not be crazy here and to make sure you check in with the line judge to make sure you're not lining off offside let's just be smart and i think that's the next piece of the puzzle here i agree and it does it seems like that's an area that mike mccarthy's working on they mike everything we've heard from mike mccarthy is that his biggest enemy is penalty he hates penalties at least that's the quote that he gives every time the cowboys have a bad uh penalty game I w- I do want to ask you about one other player specifically because this I was saving my worrisome, assuming you were going to take it. Mm. Jordan Lewis, how are we feeling? You know, I think he's obviously the the guy right now that everybody's pointing to is like the the weak link in the in the secondary, and it's right he is the weak link in the secondary. I just there's been a couple of games where the slot guy has been the best receiver. You know what I mean? Adam Thielen was their number one guy. So he, if he's not eating, nobody's going to eat. So, yes, when you're the the third best corner and you're facing their best option, it's probably not going to look that great. I All that being said, wouldn't be upset if they, they put Izzy in there a little bit more work, if they found yeah. a way to get a little more creative. I do think he brings a veteran presence, and I do think he brings some stability. I just don't know if he's the most talented guy. You know, not every your whole roster is going to be filled with talented guys. And just like not every team you face is going to have a, a an Adam Thielen or some other slot guy that's going to be able to eat you up. So, yeah, I can see, understand the concern, but I'm probably not as worried about it as other people are. How about you? I'm not super worried about it. But I, like, it is evident, and now granted, it's because our secondary is talented. It is evident that he, he is the third best. Like, he is not Gilmore. He is not Bland. He is, he is the guy you want to target if those three cornerbacks are on the field. I just worry about if we play a team with a versatile receiver that they're going to bring him in the slot more and just let him eat against um, Jordan Lewis. Like looking way ahead to when we play the Lions, like Amon Ross St. Brown can't play the slot. And like, are they just going to move him inside and just let him eat against Jordan Lewis? Similar to like 
the Eagles when we play the Eagles, are they just gonna let Devontae like Devontae Smith play slot the whole game and eat like you can scheme receivers onto Jordan Lewis, which is what I'm worried about. Yeah, I mean it's fair. I mean, I understand. Like it's it's a fair point and something that we're gonna have to move forward and see. But I, I trust Dan Quinn to be able to figure out some type of game plan. He seems to always find, have a backup plan, and maybe this calls for that type of situation. But real quick before we get out of here, real quick in like a sense of the two, tell me who your game ball is. Uh, because we he recorded no stats last week and we gave him a little bit of crap for it. Micah Parsons, yeah, monster today, deserves the game ball. Three three sacks. Don't give me that two and a half stuff. It was three <laughs> sacks. He was the lone guy on that third sack. So Micah Parsons, game ball. I'll piggyback up on that too. I think Micah Parsons is the guy. He deserves the game ball. He made an instant impact in the first quarter and then kind of parlayed that into kind of what the game was turning into. So shout out to Micah Parsons. He he deserves the game ball. And real quick, very real quick before we get out of here, um, this is the last time we talked before Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving to you, Aiden, and all of our listeners. Give us a give us a prediction for the Washington Commanders game. When we come back and talk, do they win and what's the score? Give me 31-17, but the game is similar to this one, a little bit closer than you'd hope at halftime. Okay. I'm a little less uh optimistic because, you know, it's Washington and it's it's Thanksgiving, so there's probably gonna be a little messy there. But give me uh give me 24-16 Cowboys. And I bet you the game isn't as close as the score indicates, but it's not like an outright beating that we're used to. Do we have a line on that yet? I think they're 10. And yeah, 11. Cowboys. 11. Yeah. It's up to that's 11. It. Yeah. So, all right. I mean, I think that's a, I think that's fair. I think we should win the game and we'll be discussing possibly the eighth one of the season. But from, uh, from blogging the boys, another episode of the first and 10 podcast. I'm Tony Catalina and Aiden Davis. We'll catch you guys next week. And like I said, happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy your family and we'll catch you next week. Peace. Peace.